Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Thomas Ricard on the book of Jude and its warnings about false teachers. But we want to be able to remain true to what God has given us in His Word, and, and we want to hold to the true gospel, because if we depart from the true gospel, then we have no gospel at all. Thomas Ricard, next. In today's discussion, we turn our attention to the short New Testament book of Jude. It provides us with truths for discerning false teachers and false teaching. Of course, the greatest danger is they lead people astray. My guest is Thomas Ricard, pastor of Seven Springs Presbyterian Church in Glade Spring, Virginia. We're talking about his piece, Jude, Contend for the Faith. Pastor Ricard, before we talk about what it says about false teachers and false teaching, what background can you give us about the book of Jude? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting book. It's, it's quite short, and uh, you know, one commentator says it's the most neglected book in the New Testament. Mm. Often we, we uh, flip past it on our way to Revelation or um, you know, towards the end, shorter books of the Bible in the end of the New Testament. But yeah, it's a great, tremendous book. I think that it's, it's, uh, it's one of those books that we don't know specifically uh, the, the scope of, of who it was directly written to, but we know it's written to the church. Jude loves to, to refer to the, the Christians um, as those who are called, beloved, and kept, and a glorious truth that uh, we hold to as, as Christians and disciples. But yeah, Jude is a half-brother of Jesus and uh, a brother of James, uh, as we know him, uh, author of James, and apostle. So, uh, you know, Jude writes it to these uh these Christians, these are, that are called beloved and kept, and so he he, he writes this short little book um, to them to, you know, encourage them to contend for the faith. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he calls himself a servant. Um, you know, I, I'm one of eight kids, and I would never call myself a servant of my brothers, but <laughs> here he does. He calls himself Jesus, a servant of Jesus Christ. But yeah, he he writes this book. You know, he initially sat down to write this letter to, you know, write about their common salvation. What, uh, what unites them as those who are called beloved and kept. But his pen is carried a different way as the, uh, the Holy Spirit inspires him to be able to write this letter. Uh, and, he, and he writes them not what you, what's uniting them to Christian in their common salvation, but that they've got to contend for the faith. They've got to you know, put on their boxing gloves or put on their armor and uh, you know, fight for this, uh, this teaching that has been handed down to all this, delivered to all the saints. And, so he writes about these false teachers uh, that have crept into the church. Um, so again, we don't know specifically, and I think that's what makes this such a tremendous book because it's it's timeless. You know, we don't know specifically what these false teachers are are teaching from the pulpit. You know, generally, but but that crosses all generations and scope. And and I think you can you know is a book that we need to study more today as we prepare. False teaching is ever around us, and and been aware of that. Well, early on, uh, Jude, uh, you write about this in your piece, Jude points out seven stories from the Old Testament that showed the outcome of false teaching, and I know we could probably talk about these for the rest of the conversation, but can you kind of run through those, what those seven stories are, and maybe the false teaching that 
was behind each one? Yeah, so he, he turns to, you know, uh, he gives illustrations to begin with uh, through the Old Testament period. And, you know, some of them are, you know, the people complaining in the wilderness. Um, you know, God has just re rescued them and redeemed them and, and saved them from Egypt. And, and now they're on their way to the promised land. And, and yet, what do they do? They complain and they complain about leeks and cucumbers that they had and, um, in Egypt, not thinking about the honey and milk that will be in the promised land. So here they are complaining uh, that the way of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, walking, you know, the, the sinful desires which are present in Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, the angels not willing to be able to stay within their bounds of authority. Um, you know, uh, Michael could dispute him for the body of Moses and, and his rebuke to Satan. Uh, the way of Cain, you know, J Cain's journey away from the Lord and, mm -hmm. and how that leads Balaam's error, leading the people to be able to worship Baal, pure, and, uh, you know, leading them into sexual immorality. And then uh, finally, Korah's rebellion. Uh, you know, questioning God's authority to be able to find authority, saying, why do we need priests? Why, who made you a priest? And we're holy people. Why do we need priests? But he doesn't really understand. And, and all of these, you know, Judas using these examples as, as the people that are called beloved and kept know these stories well. We, we don't know them as well. So they're a bit foreign to us. But, yeah, all of them, uh, Judas pointing out to what happened with these false teachers, uh, what happened to their way and, and where are they now. Uh, but also more than that, I think Jude is pointing out what happened to the people that followed them, what happened to, you know, Cain's family and uh, what happened to, you know, those who followed uh, Balaam and the 15,000 that died. And what happened to Korah's rebellion um, and those who are the plague struck, strikes them. And so all of these stories kind of Jude is pointing out the false teachers and addressing the false teachers. But I think really writing this letter to those who are called beloved and kept and and warning them of, of the, the way of false teaching and, and what happens to those who follow that false teaching. Because ultimately, the false teaching, um, you lose the gospel. There's no good news in the gospel that the false teachers preach. There's there's no hope in that gospel. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he uses these periods during the Old Testament period. And, you know, I think it's a great example of why, how we use the Old Testament and understand the Old Testament as it speaks to the church today. Well, my guest today is uh, Pastor Thomas Ricard. He pastors uh, Seven Springs Presbyterian Church in Glade Spring, Virginia. We're talking about uh, the New Testament book of Jude, just 25 verses, a very short book, and toward the end of the Bible. Uh, and he, he wrote a piece, uh, posted at his site, Jude, Portraits of False Teaching. And just kind of before we continue uh, in, in the book of Jude, kind of looking at some of the things that Jude wrote, Pastor Ricard, I'm wondering if you could define for us what is a false teacher, false teaching? just to kind of uh, to give us a working definition, if possible? Yeah, I think it, it's always a hard thing to be able to die something um, or, or state something in this. It, broadly speaking, false teaching is teaching anything false according to the gospel or, or even the scriptures. And if, and if we use that broad category, then I think that all of us at some point have been some false teacher. I've, I've taught the Bible and, and presented a view which I thought was accurate at that time. And then uh, later research, I, I discovered that I was, uh, you know, I, I've shifted my views. So uh, either I was a false teacher or I am now with, a, <laughs> with a, nothing major. But, uh, you know, 
there's always these things that we, so broadly speaking, a false teacher is not just, um, I think that broad category, it's more specific to that. And I think it, it's someone who distorts, denies, or departs from that, uh, that faith that has been handed down, delivered to all the saints. Um, and I think that's, that's the definition. And we often think about false teaching as those who deny the key aspects of the gospel or those who depart from the key aspects of the gospel. But I think false teaching, generally speaking, can even be someone who distorts it. That it, They use the same vocabulary, they use the same terms, uh, but ultimately they're presenting a different gospel, a gospel with, with more works uh, added to it, a gospel where, um, you know, sin is not sin. They, they change the definition definition of sin, and then when you change the definition of sin, you're, you're really, you don't need the gospel. Um, if you just don't call what you do sin, then why would we need the gospel? So, so I think, um, you know, that black and white approach, I think, of, of saying that anything that is false is not a good, helpful category. But for me, it's someone who distorts, denies, or departs from that that true essence of the gospel as Paul defines in first Corinthians chapter 15, that, that issue of first importance. Um, I think that's one thing that I think we see. Um, that's how I would define it. Okay. And, and of course, some, some would say that, uh, we, we don't need to focus much, uh, or very little of our energy on false teaching. We need only to learn the true, which is of course is, is true. And yet at the same time, the book of Jude does, tell us that we we need to have a certain awareness of false teaching of what it is that it exists? Oh, yeah. I think Jude, Jude, uh, along with almost all the epistles in the New Testament, are written, generally speaking, to an error that has crept into the church, um, either sin that remains. um, And it's not that they have departed from the gospel per se, but their practice says that they don't believe it. Um, You know, but often, the Bible often will bring up um, these errors, because, you know, it's, it's very important, the purity of the church and, and the, the truth of the gospel. We, we present the truth of the gospel as it's revealed in, through us in Scripture. And, and if we depart or deny or to, distort that, then we end up with not a gospel at all. So I think that we, we need to be equipped to be able to know, uh, first and foremost, what the true gospel is, because ultimately a false gospel, a false teaching is is something that is departed from a, a point, a datum um, of what the true gospel is. So we need to understand that. But I think Jude is a great book to, to point that fact out, like you said, that that sometimes the church needs to, to contend. Um, that's a very strong word that Jude uses, um, you know, like going into battle, putting on an armor and, and marching into battle. And that's what Jude is talking about here, that, that these, these false teachers have crept in that they're not noticed by the church, that they're sitting around in their, you know, fellowship luncheons, and here they are, false teachers surrounding them, and they have no idea. They're, they're unnoticed. And uh, so I think we always need to keep our guard up, not saying that there's a false teacher underneath every pulpit or mm-hmm. anything like that, but we do need to, to understand the true gospel. And then once we hear anything that's uh, diametrically opposed to that or distorting that, then, then we're aware that that's some form of false teaching. Well, there are some colorful uh, images of false teachers found in the early verses of Jude, I think mostly in verses 12 and 13, kind of taking images from nature, and I'm wondering just if we could go through a few of those and you can shine some light on what they're saying. For example, hidden reefs uh, in our love feast. I think you kind of alluded to that just a moment ago. What, what, what should we take from that? Yeah, I mean, Jude, Jude again, is just a glorious book, and uh, Jude paints it for six pictures of what these false teachers are like, just looking at nature 
you know, he, he went through those examples in the Old Testament period, and but now he shifts his view to, to nature and just quite quickly, just rapidly goes through that these false teachers and what they're like and, and hidden reeds are exactly that. It's not so much the, the reeds per se that are causing the damage. It's, it's this unseen, unnoticed, uh, below the surface. Uh, I'm not a sailor and, you know, I never have really sailed or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that most of the dangers that lie when you're you're a pilot in a boat, captain in a boat, lie actually underneath the water, what is not seen. Um, and this is what the false teachers are with their false motives, that they come in and it, it's calm. The, the water's calm. It looks pleasant. looks nice. But here they are, and they, they've got these false motives coming in. Um, you know, Peter has a, a similar uh, verse in Second Peter where he's talking about false teachers and, you know, and he, and he says they're, they're blots and blemishes revealing their deceptions while they feast with you. Here they are. Just a different view. What their motives are in their heart are quite different from what we see outwardly. So he warns them of this. Again, Jude is writing to the Christians, the true believers. He warns the false teachers, but he's specifically writing to the false teachers, uh, the, the, those who are called beloved and kept. Um, and, he, and he paints that picture of... Um, you know, these false teachers who are like hidden reefs. And interesting to, to note uh, that we, we might tend to think of the false teacher is out there, but he's they're actually, the warning is actually they're within the church. They're with, they're with us. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the great danger in false teaching is that not that we often think of the world, you know, is where the false teaching comes in. And it, it's, uh, you know, we've got to watch the world. But um, Jude is specifically writing to those in the church. And, he, and he's warning them of those that are in the church. And he says that and, and they're unnoticed. You know, they don't know mm-hmm. that as the person gets up to preach that they're preaching a false gospel, distorting um, the truth. They're denying the Lord and Master Jesus Christ. They're perverting the grace of God into uh, sensuality. Uh, and the church is uh, oblivious to this. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a balance to, um, you know, not letting the world creep into the, the church, um, but also that. There's some times where the world has crept in, and we need to be cautious of that. And it says consuming shepherds. Uh, I, I think other versions may talk about feeding themselves. The, these are ways, in a sense, to help us exercise discernment. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the second image is, is probably the most painful mm. as a pastor to think about. You know, you think about a shepherd and, and what they're meant to do. I mean, you, you just read Psalm 23 and the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. You know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul, leads me by paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, you think about John 10 when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'll lay down my life for my sheep. But here the, the false teachers is a completely different image. Instead of green pastures and still waters. It's a, it's a shepherd covered in blood, and it's not blood of a predator outside. It's the blood of the sheep, that the, the shepherd is merely just feeding themselves. This alludes to, you know, Jeremiah 23 and, and Ezekiel 34, where you hear the false, you know, they're shepherds. They're meant to be looking after the people of God, and, and what they're doing is they don't care. They're, uh, they're in their wake is, you know, blood and guts of the sheep they're meant to care for. And yet they're just feeding themselves, fattening them up. And, mm. and when we apply that image to, to false teaching and, and what a horrendous thing that it is, that false teachers care nothing about the sheep in which they're speaking about. They, they're caring about themselves, their pride, their greed, uh, their power that they have over these sheep. And in the wake is just 
carcasses of, of sheep in which they're meant to care. And um, yeah, it's a brutal image to, to imagine, but this is what false teachers are like. They're, the sheep are victims. They're abused by these, these people who call themselves shepherds, but really it's a false title. It's, a, it's an oxymoron. They're, they're shepherds. They're not shepherds. They're butchers. And uh, yeah, yeah, horrendous image. And then uh, some uh, versions say clouds without rain, or others say waterless clouds, and, and, and you link this to false promises that come out of this. But can you help us to understand what that image means? Yeah, so we live in uh, the mountains of Virginia, so rain is, is, is not really sparse. You know, we, uh, we have dry spells, but nothing to the extent where we're having to um, save water or limit water in any way. I grew up in Australia where, you know, there was times where we had water droughts and, you know, very strict water restrictions of when you could water your grass, if at all. And, you know, but here in the Middle East, uh, you know, without the, the reservoirs of water, the water systems, you hear the waterless cloud, the, the clouds come overhead, they, they appear and you get all excited about the rain coming and then there's no rain. And that's exactly what false teachers are like, that they're all promises and they never fulfill any of their promises. Um, you know, one of the Puritans said something along the lines of Satan promises the best, but pays the worst. And um, that's exactly what it is. That sin is elusive, and false teachers uh, bank on that, and they say, you know, this is all that's going to happen. But when it comes to actual, you know, uh, payday, that their check bounces. There's no promise. There's no life. There's no eternity. Um, you know, so I think that um, this is exactly what uh, this pro- this uh, image paints. This just false hope. Um, you know, they they. They speak of clouds that are meant to water the flock and to care, and but in the end, nothing eventuates from them. And then a fruitless tree, uh, false fruit. Uh, Jesus, of course, introduces us to this kind of teaching, knowing them by their fruits, knowing false prophets. I mean, what is false fruit? Yeah, basically false tree, fruit is just that there's no real good, decent fruit. Um, you know, Jesus um, doesn't say that, um, you know, a, a, a fruit tree doesn't bear no fruit, although that's the image there of, you know, the, the fig tree in, in the gospel accounts. But he, he speaks that a bad tree produces bad fruit and a good tree produces good fruit. And false teachers, they don't have the, the root of the gospel within them, uh, the hope of the gospel. So their fruit that they produce is bad. And uh, this, this image that Jude paints is, is it's twice dead. You know, Christian is to be twice born, born again. Uh, but yet this, this fruit tree is empty, it's bare, it, uh, you know, the fruit that it produces is nothing, it's rotten. But, uh, and when we talk about false teaching, often I think what we, we look at is, is the external fruit, which is, which is easily measured, you know, budgets and, or books they've written or, you know, people in their church. But really fruit in ministry is not measured in those numbers per se. Uh, fruit is me- measured in the in- inward parts, which people cannot really see or determine. Um, you know, character, heart, faithfulness. There, there are things that bear fruit in the the minister's, you know, life, and um, and, and false teachers often will parade around like a, a peacock, you know, showing all the things that they've done that is well. But yeah, Jesus kind of warns us. Uh, you know, there's there's healthy trees that produce good fruit, and, and there's bad trees that produce bad fruit. 
And um, so it's always a good thing to be able to, to, to look at what the fruit is, not um, just external, but internal. Mm. And then an amazing uh, image uh, next, the uh, wild waves of the ocean casting up the foam of their own shame. Even if we don't understand exactly what that means, it doesn't sound good. No, and none of these images really sound good, are they? But uh, that, that's, again, this is a good reason why Judas hear that these these are realities of what the false teachers are, but the church is unaware of them. They're they're unnoticed. They've crept in, slowly creeping into the church, and it's unnoticed. And um, again, a good warning for us as we hear these these drastic images, we'd go, oh, we would never let that happen in our church. But here, th- these this church dude is writing to it has, um, and it does. And uh, yeah, this image of wild waves uh, it shows not so much their their uh, false fruit, but really their wicked works. Um, it's not so much the the waves um, per se; it's what they leave behind, uh, the foam that comes up on the surface. Uh, more, I think. Uh, I think Jude is more referring to Isaiah chapter fifty three, where Isaiah writes, "But the wicked are like the tossing sea; it cannot be quiet, and the winds, the waters, toss up mire and dirt." And here, the false teachers come in, they sweep in like a wave, and then they, they pull back out, and what what is left is destruction, um, rubbish, trash, and uh, this this foam that is le- uh, left behind. You see this after hurricane time season comes through, and the hurricane, you know, the streets are never the same. Um, all the trash is everywhere, it's, uh, and that's what false teachers are like. They, they leave terrible damage wherever they go. Um, and that's what the, this effect of false teaching has, that, uh, that what they, they leave behind is almost just as drastic as what they do in their teaching. And then there's one more image uh, from nature here in these uh, early verses of uh, the book of Jude. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Again, uh, different translations phrase that a little different, but still that idea of the wandering stars is there. And that has, I think you write uh, in your piece, Jude portraits of false teaching that, that, that can have some different interpretations. Yeah. That's uh, a lot of Jude does have different interpretations and maybe that's why we avoid it. But uh, yeah, it, it depends on what you focus on here. Um, you know, the, the stars often are, are referred to as angels and, and Jude has a couple of stories before about angels. And so if that's the case, then, it, it speaks of the judgment that is to come, that gloomy darkness, which is connected there. Um, and I think that, that that might focus on the false teachers rejecting God's authority. Um, but I think more, probably more where I would land is the second interpretation, which relates more not to verse 6, but verse 11 and Balaam's error. Um, that's, uh, you know, use the word plan. Uh, there and, and Jude uses a similar word here to speak of those wandering um, there. And, and in this case, it's not so much what the false teachers are doing, uh, but it, it relates more to them leading them astray. Um, Balaam, a uh, great story in the Old Testament uh, uh, of, of a warning for what happens in, in God's people. And, uh, but here he is, he's, he's leading these, these, the people of God astray. Uh, you know, down Israelites down to the path of sexual immorality, and wandering stars lead people astray, and that's that's kind of the warning of these false teachers that you know you set your your compass by the stars and 
you're setting it to the wrong star. You're following the wrong path that it leads down this path of, of sinful uh, desires and pleasures. And, you know, they, they desert the true gospel, the true course that, you know, often in Pilgrim's Progress, his journey is a uh, young Christian is, is going on his journey and he departs. He, he jumps over into the, the meadow bypass and he thinks this is this way is going to be easier than the king's highway. And, and that's what false teachers do that lead people astray. So this is quite a, a, a quick snapshot of false teachers in, in Scripture, in the book of Jude. What about uh, spotting, uh, this is spotting a, a false teacher, false teaching. What about spotting a genuine uh, and a true teacher? Uh, I guess the Scripture, <laughs> you have to know the Scripture to know that, but is there a kind of a concise way to do that? Yeah, I think uh, Paul, I think, points that out in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says that, you know, I preach to you Christ crucified. And uh, that's the essence of the gospel. Um, and anyone seeks to be able to take away from that and say, well, Christ wasn't crucified or Christ wasn't resurrected or, or take away from that in any way or, or point you down another path. Um, you need to do good works um, to be saved and uh, or that that that's not sin. Um, I, I think, you know, Christ is central to all the a good teacher will point to and, and they won't point to themselves they won't point uh they, they will be that uh humble shepherd uh as the chief shepherd we, we point people to christ and say here's your savior here's the one who died for you here's the one who who is is living with you and, and helping you through his spirit to be able to sanctify you and perfect you into his image um, so any any type of image that seeks to be able to point you away from christ um, you know, uh, Jude, Jude specifically spells out that they, you know, pervert the grace of God into sensuality and they deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And I think there is what Jude is specifically speaking about, that they're either perverting grace and saying grace is, is something we can use, you know, and abuse, um, or we deny it, Lord. And what they're doing is they're denying our Lord and master Jesus Christ. And they're not saying, you know, Follow his commandments, follow his teaching, be more like him um, with his help. And so I think, you know, there's many false teaching. And I think that's why Jude is such a great book, again, because he doesn't specifically iron out and say this one specific thing. I mean, Paul really challenges the church in Galatians, um, you know, that there is no admission to the church through circumcision. Uh, you know, that's not a common thing that we hear today. No. Um, but the premise is that we're not adding works to it, whereas Jude is very spe not specific like that. And I think that helps us to, to be on the lookout for these false teachers. But then also just to be able to have that hope, hope of the gospel, as Jude uh, graciously and gloriously says right at the very end, that, you know, that great uh, doxology, that one who is able to be able to keep us from stumbling, to be able to present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, you know, to the only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, to him be glory, majesty, dominion forever and ever. Uh, you know, a glorious truth that it is only Christ who can present us blameless. It's only Christ who can keep us from stumbling. It's the only Christ, you know, who saves us. And any other gospel is no gospel at all. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My guest, Pastor Thomas Ricard, pastor of Seven Springs Presbyterian Church in Glade Spring, Virginia. We've been talking about his piece, 
Jude Portraits of False Teaching. You can find it on the church's website. And, and what is your site there, Pastor Ricard? SevenSpringsPresbyterian.com. Okay. And before we finish, I'm wondering, are there other any other points of application, takeaways that you want people to, you would like people to be considering, contemplating uh, as we wrap up our conversation? Yeah, I think just, uh, it's just a, the truth is that, uh, you know, false teaching is all around us, and we often are very alert to it in the world, but often not so much for, from within the walls of the church. And again, it's not that there's a false teacher hiding under every pulpit, um, but we want to be able to remain true to what God has given us in his word, and and we want to hold to the true gospel, because if we depart from the true gospel, then we have no gospel at all. So, uh, you know, just encourage people to be able to pick up their Bible and, and read and look for Christ. And any pastor that tells you otherwise and uh, points you away from what Christ has done for us, uh, then I think there's always a danger to be on the lookout. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to today's guest, Thomas Ricard, pastor of Seven Springs Presbyterian Church in Glade Spring, Virginia. We've been talking about his piece, Jude, Contend for the Faith. You can read it at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Ron Post on his journey to start and lead ministries. When you are open and ready for God to help you do something, He will do it for you, through you. And so God has done this in my life. I wasn't qualified to do it, uh, but God was. That's tomorrow at the same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening.